0: But Christ the King's Sunday, what, what is, what's the point of this? As I was kind of praying and reflecting over this past week, I want to begin with a question and end with an invitation. I want to begin with a question and end with an invitation. Thinking through our scriptures as beautiful, they give us different perspectives and images, almost like looking through the gaze of a prism or a a diamond where we can look at who is God, who is Christ the King. We see through the scriptures this morning that there are these different dimensions that we can focus on, and really I could have taken different texts. And so one of the things that we're confronted with on Christ the King Sunday is the question that Jesus posed to his disciples, which is the same question that Jesus poses to every one of us, every human who ever lived, is the question, who do you say that I am? Who is God? Who is Jesus? And this deep, profound question, who do you say I am? And oftentimes, who do we see, who do we think of God? Oftentimes, we kind of bring the danger as Christians throughout the ages have brought preconceived notions. We've Viewed God through our own image, we've taken scriptural references of God, and we'll take it out of context, which is, a, which is a great danger. But I think this morning we're reminded, who does God say He is, and do we believe that He is who He says He is? And that, my friends, is the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the prince of peace, the everlasting Father, the, the mighty God. He is Christ the King, and that is what we celebrate on this Sunday. He's the King of glory. So think of your image of God. Oftentimes we, we approach God, some people are carrying baggage from being jaded from their childhood or how they uh, were taught who God was, and, 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 and this morning we're invited in the text to really see who God is through the lenses of how God invites us, the language that God gives us. So Christ the King, the text that I want to focus in on this morning is the Ezekiel passage. Really, all the scriptures that we have for this morning's uh, readings are beautiful. They, they show us different images, as I said, of through looking through the prism or through different lenses. But the Ezekiel passage paints Christ the King... As the shepherd. Christ the King is the shepherd. So Elizabeth and I, my daughter, we just got back from England and then we went to Paris and we got to visit the Louvre. And the Louvre was a palatial palace. Has anybody heard of the French Revolution? You know, where they, you know, they 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 overthrew the monarchy because of the excesses of the kings. And oftentimes we think of what is a king? What do we, you know, in England you still have the royalty, it's still a thing in England. Um But, what we see here is in the Ezekiel passage, we see that God is a king who is wholly other but is also he 's transcendent but he 's also imminent He is Christ the king in glory, who actually is fully God and fully man. He enters into uh, where we are, and this is kind of a transition point as we go into. Advent season, but God portrays Himself as a shepherd who takes care of the sheep, who seeks after His sheep. So you see a leader, in other words, a king who's not wholly other, who, who does not identify with His sheep, but actually who goes after His sheep, who seeks them out, who who is intimately acquainted with each sheep. And a great study I would encourage you throughout the Scriptures is to see the language that Jesus uses for the good shepherd through Psalm 23 and and the images throughout the scriptures that are used of God as the shepherd. And what is the role of the shepherd? And I think this is a profound image that God chooses to use for himself this morning. And if God is the shepherd, then we are the sheep. And that is good news for all of us. So, a couple things that we see in the passage this morning. First is that the good shepherd seeks out the sheep. Ezekiel says, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. And we see in the Ezekiel passage that this is uh, portraying God as kind of the great search and rescue mission. He's the shepherd that seeks out and he rescues. And and so first thing that we see in this passage is that God seeks us out. Sometimes when people come to faith, they think, well, I chose God or I sought God. But really what led you to the point of seeking God is that God originally sought you out. Now, that's not just a reformed view of, of salvation Wesley had this beautiful, incredible doctrine of the prevenient grace of God, that the grace of God is always coming before us, always seeking us out, always drawing and wooing us unto himself. And so this morning, for every one of us here today, I want to say God is seeking you. God didn't just seek you when you came to faith. Every day, every moment of every hour, God is seeking us. Drawing us, wooing us, calling us to Himself. Jesus wants, as the Good Shepherd, to have an intimate, close, passionate relationship with us. Will we receive that welcoming embrace from Him? So God seeks us out through all of our lives, through all of the circumstances of our lives, through relationships, through good and bad, uh, through all of it, God is seeking you and I this morning. He's the God who seeks. The one that we seek is actually searching and seeking us and calling us unto himself. It is a beautiful reality. It's actually a really profound reality. That whether we feel like worshiping or praying, God is always at work drawing us providentially through circumstances, through people, through situations, through his word, through prayer to draw us close unto himself. He loves us that much. Working through good and bad, all of it, to bring us to a point where we walk with him. So he seeks us, but secondly, he rescues us. He says, I will rescue them from the places to which they have been scattered. Now, the language here is beautiful and and poetic and dark. He says, on the day of clouds and thick darkness, that God seeks us out and rescues us. It's a search and rescue mission. That's what Jesus went on, the great search and rescue mission where Jesus entered into the humanity in which God created to become one of us through the incarnation, is that Jesus Christ in His body entered into flesh and humanity to become one of us to seek us out and to rescue us from our sin, to rescue us from the darkness and the challenges that we face on a daily basis. But it's not just a past historic event. I would imagine that most of us here this morning probably are walking with God and probably had some sort of conversion experience at some point in our life. But again, God is always seeking. He is always wanting to rescue us. Our growth in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is that daily we die to sin, that daily we lay our burdens down, that daily He rescues us. What do you need to be rescued from this morning? What are the things that are in your life? What are the burdens? What are the fears? What are the anxieties that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus and at the altar of Christ as you come this morning? Jesus is seeking you, Jesus is wanting to rescue you. Oftentimes, maybe those of us coming from more evangelical or Protestant traditions, as we we think of salvation as, as like a past historic event, that Jesus saved us. I've been saved. I've been born again. Yes, that's a very real reality. But Jesus saved me, but Jesus is saving me. Amen. Every day I need to give my life to Christ. It's not just a a one and done, just a, you made that decision. I, you know, I got saved in 1993 sitting on a rock at a lake in Knoxville, Tennessee. But every day since, I have to make the decision to receive the grace of God, to follow Him, to draw close to Him, to lay down my burdens. One of the profound things that I've been learning as of late is that Jesus actually wants to rescue us daily from our own darkness, our anxieties, our fears, our struggles, our own idiosyncrasies, the little corks, the little things that uh, maybe we don't even realize they're the, the burdens or the things that are holding us back. And that's what growth in grace means, is that daily we turn to Him. Daily He seeks us out, every day. His mercies are new every day, the Bible says, And he wants to rescue us daily. What do you need to be rescued from today? What do you need to hand over to Christ on the day of clouds and thick darkness? Is there darkness? Are there clouds swirling in your life? Are there things you need to hand over to the Lord? Let's give those things to him today. Thirdly, it says he feeds us. He says, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. As we go into the Scripture, it says He feeds us, but He also heals. As, as you kind of read into the passage, there's a healing and a redemption that happens through this. And daily He feeds us. This is why we turn to God and His Word. This is why we pray. This is why we need fellowship. And accountability and relationships in the body of Christ is because God feeds us daily through manna, through bread in the wilderness. These are the things that God promises to us as believers that He will not leave us as orphans, but God gives us means of grace. God gives us the promise of His Word, He gives us the promise of the table of the Lord, He feeds us at the table in a very real, literal sense. But daily, He gives us our daily bread. We're reminded of this in the, in the Lord's Prayer that we pray each week. I encourage you to pray that prayer every day of your life, that God feeds us. We don't have to live in a famine of the Word. We've been given the greatest gift. There are parts of the world where it's illegal to own a Bible, I would challenge and encourage you to count how many Bibles you have in your house. You don't want to know how many Bibles I've got, right? I have genuine leather Bibles. I have Moroccan leather Bibles. I have all sorts of Bibles. I'm a Bible collector. I love this little Bible, actually. It's It's a nice little Bible. Get in your Bible. Don't let it collect dust on the shelf. Dust it off. Feed on Him. Feed on His Word. C.S. Lewis once said this great quote. He said, we can't always be defending the truth. We have to feed on it. Feed on him, my friends, today. Feed on his word. Feed on his body and his blood. Let him feed you. Let him fill you daily. Let God give you manna today. I believe this is a promise to all of us. So here's my fourth point, and I'm gonna kind of land here for a few minutes because I believe this is one of the profound promises of this particular passage. And I believe it's it's a critique and a challenge of especially those of us in the Western North American Church, is he makes us to lie down. We see this in Psalm 23. We also see the ending of Psalm 95, our psalm reading from today, is there was a rebuke to Israel how they refused to enter into the Lord's rest. He makes us to lie down. Now listen to this in the Ezekiel passage. He says, They shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed upon rich pastures in the mountains. I myself shall be the shepherd of my sheep. And he says, I will make them... Lie down, says the Lord. I believe one of the greatest needs for most of us in the church is to actually honor and keep the Sabbath. I believe that there's a reason why God put it in the Ten Commandments, why throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, there's the promise of God's rest. And it is one of the things... That everything in our culture, everything, our technology, our media, is coming against the keeping of God's rest. Sabbath is the promise of every true believer, but it's harder than ever before. I believe what God wants to rescue us from is all of our doings, all of our busyness, all of our technology, all of our connectedness, so that we can unplug to connect with God, to reconnect with one another face to face, and enter into the rest. One of the promises of the scriptures is that we might enter into the Lord's rest. And the rebuke to the nation of Israel, why they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, is because they refused to enter into the Lord's rest. A couple years ago, I came across a secular author named Pico Iyer. He claims no religion. Um, he regularly does retreats. Fascinating individual. He was a travel writer. He's written a number of books. He, he gave a TED Talk called The Art of Stillness. And I was just fascinated about his writing. So I got this little, tiny, little book called The Art of Stillness. So here's an individual who's not a Christian. He's, he has no religious beliefs. And I want you to listen to this. He says, we've lost our Sundays, our weekends, our nights off, our holy days as some would have it. Our bosses, junk mailers, our parents can find us wherever we are at any time of the day or night. More and more of us feel like emergency room physicians permanently on call, required to heal ourselves, but unable to find the prescription for all the clutter on our desk. Listen to this. In an age of speed... Nothing is more invigorating than going slow. In an age of distraction, nothing can feel more luxurious than paying attention. In an age of constant movement, nothing is more urgent than sitting still. We see in the scriptures the story of Mary and Martha. Mary chooses the better part because she chooses to sit at the feet of Jesus. In Mark 6.30, the disciples, they're busy, they're going about, they're doing all the stuff. They go out, Jesus sends them out, and they come back and they report. says they report all the stuff that they did, and Jesus turns to them rather than saying, hey, that's amazing. Jesus says, come away with me by yourself, and let's go to a deserted place and rest. The Scripture says there were so many people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. Or to feed. I believe God today wants to invite us to lie down, to simply rest. I believe this is a prophetic word for this generation, for Christians everywhere, is that we need to recover the rest of the Lord. We need to enter into the rest that God has promised us, into His Sabbath. One of my favorite, I'm throwing this in for Rick, an N.T. Wright quote. Can I get an Amen. And T. Wright says this, we must slow down to catch up with God. We must slow down to catch up with God. So think of the life of Jesus. Jesus is, he didn't have a jet airplane. Sorry, prosperity teachers. You know, there are prosperity preachers that say Jesus, you know, anyway. Uh, he had no social media account. He didn't drive a fancy car. Jesus walked on foot. Everywhere he went. So much of his ministry was out of doors and and walking from place to place. And the stuff that Jesus did, what I love is the stories that happen when Jesus is going on the way. The miracles, the amazing stuff happened as he was going. And this is context of of N.T. Wright's quote is that we need to slow down to catch up with God. In other words, we are running at such a pace... I don't doubt that we have faith, and I'm preaching to myself here, so if, if this isn't going to anybody else, that's fine, it's going to me, is that oftentimes we run, the temptation is to run at such a fast pace, doing what we think God wants us to do, that we're actually missing the thing that God wants us to do. And it's learning to work from a place of rest. Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. I believe hurry, busyness, is the enemy of the soul. There's another great quote that Dallas Willard said. He said, if you don't come apart for a while, you'll come apart after a while. I believe that we need to slow down. We need to take seriously... God's Word, where He says, I'm going to make them lie down and rest. That is the promise. The promise isn't busyness. I'm speaking to, you know, here we live in Wilmore, Kentucky. There are these great Christian institutions. How many of y'all know that Christian institutions, churches, can be rather than places of rest, places of busyness, places of works righteousness? And I believe that this message... Of rest, of slowing down and lying down and receiving the rest of the Lord is so important as we go into Advent. I believe that this Ezekiel passage, as we get ready to set our sights toward the Advent season, it's a season where the world wants to commodify and commercialize the birth of Jesus. But it's a season where God actually wants to rebuke. And the cultural critique is that rather than speeding up and being busy, it's actually a season to slow down and to be present and to ponder and to reflect like Mary. After the angel comes to Mary, it says she pondered all of these things in her heart. You cannot ponder. You cannot reflect in a deep, profound way the mysteries of the Advent season out of rush and busyness. We need to slow down to catch up with God. So I began with the question that Jesus posed to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Is God the God of busyness? Is he the God of works righteousness? Or is he the shepherd that actually invites us to slow down Is he the one who feeds us and invites us to green pastures? What if the promises of God are real, that the great promise of the good news of Christ is that no matter what's going on in the world, we can walk out of a place of rest and healing, that we can become wounded healers that bring the healing of the gospel to the world, but it's going to take us slowing down to catch up with God to do it. So I want to end with an invitation, a simple invitation from the Good Shepherd, the words of Jesus, who asks the questions, who do you say that I am? But he offers an invitation, and this is what I love about God, is he invites us to feed, he invites us to dine, he invites us to receive. He's always the God of invitation. And we'd do well to heed this call. God is seeking us. And Jesus invites us with the words from the Gospels, Come to me and I will give you rest. Who is the King of kings? He is our shepherd. He's the shepherd of our soul who wants to give us rest that we might then run after him. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bless you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for uh, Christ the King Sunday, as in the passages that you've given us that are just so rich and they paint a picture of who you are in your invitation for us to receive your grace and your glory. You're the God who seeks us out, you're the God who rescues us daily. You're the King who feeds us, who invites us to a banquet to dine daily. But Lord, you're also the King who invites us to rest. I pray as we walk into this season that we would go into Advent and Christmas out of a place of deep rest, that we might not miss Jesus in the manger in the midst of all the busyness. In the midst of all of it, we would slow down to catch up with you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.